your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom, and uh, joining me this hour is the Vice President of Research and no, the Vice President and Research Director at the Wisconsin Policy Forum, Jason Stein, is is nice enough to. Hey, Jason, what do you think? Can you come on and uh, one of these days? And you're like, I can come on today. So I appreciate you coming on, man. No problem. Uh, it, and the Wisconsin Policy Forum. So some of the things we're going to talk about are, are uh, things going on in the state legislature, the the budget negotiations going on right now between the governor and the state legislature, the shared revenue plan that's going on. Uh, we might even get into school funding and how how that is sure. being how how that's happening over the last, you know, I guess you guys really deep dived into school like referendum questions, you know, over, over over like the past like 10 15 years, I think maybe even beyond that. And uh, yeah. let's see here, the the dueling tax proposals we have, like the flat tax proposal versus a, a like a, a like a middle lower class tax cut. So those are, those are some of the things we're going to talk about this hour. Uh, Jason Stein is, again, the Vice President and Research Director at Wisconsin Policy Forum. So first, Jason, just tell us, what is the Wisconsin Policy Forum? <laughs> sure. We're, we're a nonpartisan organization. We're, we're funded by uh, corporations, individuals, local governments, and nonprofits. So we have sort of uh, members across the political spectrum. We don't advocate directly for uh, policies, but we just try and uh, promote sort of better understanding about the issues and policy options. We were formed in 2018 by the merger of two very long-standing groups in the state, one, the Wisconsin Taxpayers Alliance, based in Milwaukee, in Madison, and the Public Policy Forum, based in Milwaukee. All right, and then just how, what is your job like? I mean, is it just nerd stuff where you're just crunching numbers and then trying to uh, dumb that down for people like me to understand? <laughs> I mean, I think that's that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, we're trying to be expert translators and, you know, help people in the state and policymakers have, you know, access in easily digestible form to sort of state-of-the-art knowledge about about these, you know, pretty complex issues that we we have to grapple with as a state. When it comes to what the state is doing right now, trying to come up with a two-year budget, uh, they also have a budget surplus, right? We just learned, we just got some new Correct. numbers about that. We'll, we'll get into, and then they're pulling out of the budget a do uh, kind of a, a shared revenue plan, what I like to call like a local government funding, state funding plan, and and then and in there somewhere is maybe some tax cut proposals, which I think are, are worked into the budget. But when it comes to that stuff, when the state is working on that, the state legislature and the governor's office, is that the most important thing that the legislature is can be doing over a two-year period? The state budget? I think so. I mean, you know, there, there's obviously always other important legislation. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, the state budget is a, is a massive uh, spending and taxing bill, and it affects everyone in the state. And you know, in really far-reaching ways. So I'm justified, right, in bringing on multiple entities to come and talk about this thing because, I mean, part of me thinks it's kind of useless to talk about it because what say do I have in the state budget? At this point, like, we did four 
public hearings on it, right? And and then I guess you can write some emails, but uh, it feels a little out of uh, regular people's hands. I mean, I, I guess I would push back a little bit on that. It's certainly the case that there are, you know, I mean, Republicans are absolutely going to put an income tax um, cut, for instance, into the state budget bill. You know, so if your goal was to stop that from happening altogether, you would have basically no ability to do that. But, you know, the type of income tax cut they do is still somewhat fluid. And so, you know, there is still room for ordinary people to, or business owners or whoever, to call their representative or their state senator and say, look, this is what I would like to see, and collectively for there to, you know, be some movement. In, in some of these areas. We're speaking with Jason Jason Stein, the Vice President and Research Director at the Wisconsin Policy Forum. Um, let's just do this real quick before we go to the news. Uh, I've been talking about the budget surplus uh, on and on for like a year and a couple months. Like in back in, well, two Januarys ago, it was around $3 billion, and it's kind of grown since. Today we learned that right, it, shrunk, yeah. it shrunk a little bit. Um, but we still, we've been sitting on a budget surplus for, for I guess, I kind of want to say like a, a, over a year, a year and couple, like four or five months. Um, what, what, what do you make of the news today that the budget surplus is no longer projected to be $7.1 billion, It's going to be $6.9 billion, And is it still projected? When are we done projecting? Well, the, the, I mean, there's a couple things that, that that memo that came out today from our, our legislature, Legislative Fiscal Bureau, which sort of our Congressional Budget Office did. And there's the short-term projection that our general fund balance, which is our sort of main set of accounts for the state, that that would have $6.9 billion surplus at the end of the fiscal year on June 30th, plus like, you know, another $1.78 billion in our rainy day fund. So, I mean, that is a couple hundred million dollars less than we previously thought, but still, you know, an absolute sort of unprecedented amount for it to be. So, you know, it's still um, very significant. The memo also had some projections about overall state tax collections and that that over the, you know, through June 30th of 2025, that they would be down by $755 million over what, you know, or that they would grow by that much less than what was otherwise projected or projected back in January. So, you know, that's a significant, you know, sort of downgrade of what we thought our revenues would be. But again, you know, we thought our surplus and overall revenues would be amazing. And now they're, you know, at the, at the moment, just pretty great. Um, But, you know, again, all these projections are, you know, anything that's trying to project the economy two years out is always, you know, speculative, right? And so, I mean, if we had the uh, debt limit fight in Congress go really south and they didn't reauthorize the national debt limit, uh, the economic impact of that would just completely sort of could completely upend, right, these, these revenue projections that we have coming out today. So, you always have to take it with a grain of salt, but right now things still look very positive. From amazing to pretty great to, oh, no, <laughs> like it might be the, a catastrophe. Right, right. And hopefully we'll, we won't go down that path as a country. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's obviously, um, if, you know, something like that were to occur, 
that could have a very big impact on the economy. All right, we got to take a news break here. Jason Stein, Vice President and Research Director at Wisconsin Policy Forum, is going to hang out with us. 608-785-7914. If you got any questions, shoot me a text. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914. Shoot me a text if you got a question for Jason Stein. He's the Vice President and Research Director of the Wisconsin Policy Forum. We're going to talk state budget, shared revenue. We'll see if we can get into the dueling tax cut proposals. But I'm going to just throw a side, uh, maybe a sidearm, I don't know, a curveball. How about a curveball? We'll throw a curveball at you. Uh, and just the, the the lacrosse school district, and this is something that I believe on your website you guys have kind of deep-dived into quite a bit. And I don't know if you're like the main, uh, you know, guy doing this stuff. But uh, the lacrosse school district, uh, two, two years ago, last year, I don't know how to, like two elections ago, tried mm-hmm. to pass a $194.7 million dollars. Uh, referendum to build a new high school to consolidate high schools. So going from two high schools in town town to one, and just kind of, and then there's just kind of a long range plan of get rid of, getting rid of too. They have too many buildings, so then I get rid of some of these buildings. Right, and um, that didn't pass. Like overwhelmingly, didn't pass. Nobody wanted a yeah, well, thirty. It failed by quite a large margin, right? Like two yeah, to one, seventy percent. Yeah, it was seventy percent, I believe. Um, and and then. After that election later, and I was a little bit worried because I don't have a ton of experience kind of like watching all this unfold, but I, they, they passed an operating budget referendum. They put it on the ballot, and I was like, is this going to pass, or are people going to be mad about the last one? But then that one passed overwhelmingly, too. And so they, they one didn't pass, and the other did pass, kind of like the opposite, but the same percentages, a right. six-year, $60 million operating budget referendum. Um, but this is happening all over and is this happening more frequently where where schools are like taxpayers, you got to help us out because the state isn't coming through? Uh, certainly in recent years, absolutely, school referenda have passed at very high rates and in very high amounts. Now, just in the April election, that that shifted a little bit. So, you know, you saw you still had for an odd numbered year a decent amount of referenda pass, a, a pretty decent number, but the rate of passage dropped to 55%, you know, which it had been as high as, you know, almost approaching 90% in some past years, recent years. So it was definitely down a little bit in terms of the passage rates, but then, you know, you still had some significant measures passed, including the one in lacrosse. Yeah, so, is, and I mean, is there a way... When when you say some some years that they don't pass by a high rate and before they pass by ninety percent, is that because maybe just there's more capital referendums on the on the on the ballot and and those seem to be less popular in my head based on only the experience I just wit- witnessed in lacrosse. <laughs> you know that that bounces that bounces around a little bit. I mean, certainly like in twenty twenty one, um, the capital referenda, and I think it was twenty nineteen as well were much less popular than the operating referendum. They were actually, in April, just a little bit, they passed at a little bit higher rate, so like 62% in uh, April. So it, it can bounce around a little bit. I mean, the, the capital referenda, I think, are really locally dependent. You know, they're all referenda are locally dependent. Mm-hmm. But the capital referenda, I think, are the most, right? Um you know the the operating budgets and where school districts are at with their operating budget is a little bit more similar around the state, although there's there's obviously variation. And you know the budgets for school districts have been uh, tight in the last couple of years, so 
the state has something called revenue limits that cap the amount that school districts can raise per pupil from local property taxes and state general school aids. And they have kept those revenue limits frozen on a per pupil basis for the current state budget, two-year state budget. And so, you know, when you think about inflation having hit 8%, um, that's a significant you know, financial challenge for school districts. They have been getting federal aid, which is sort of uh, COVID-19 relief aid that has tided them through to a certain degree this current period. But that aid is running out in 2024. And so you're seeing a lot of districts look to things like that referendum to try and come up with a, a plan to ensure that they're uh, funded going forward. And I think, you know, there's going to be some discussion in the state budget as well about whether or not to loosen up those those revenue limits and also provide more uh, state aid to school districts, given the, the pretty large surplus we have. We're speaking with Jason Stein, Vice President and Research Director at the Wisconsin Policy Forum. And OK, so, yeah, you, you talk about like, oh, yeah, there's some conversations there. We're doing local government state funding, a shared revenue plan. We're, we're kind of trying to overhaul that. I, I mean, it would be kind of an undertaking for the legislature, but is there maybe a, does anyone ever talk about kind of overhauling how we fund schools? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I mean, if you were ever going to do it, like change the school funding formula, I mean, now would be the time because uh, what always prevents that from happening is you know if you mess around with the school funding formula, you have winners and losers among school districts, right? And so. You know, the losers always are able to, generally are able to kill any proposal in its infancy. And so what having a surplus gives you a chance to do is to say, um, all right, we're going we're gonna to put enough money into this system so everybody's a winner. And that, you know, can tamp down on the, you know, can, can bring people to the table. Um, Right now, we're not really seeing any kind of, I would say, bedrock discussion about, you know, school funding changes. I mean, every budget has some tinkering around the edges, and I would think this one probably will, too. But I'm not really, you know, there's a big discussion about changing how we fund local governments in the state, like cities and villages and counties. But not really the same level of discussion about schools that I'm picking up on. Yeah, because we have this big pile of money. I like to call it like the Uncle Scrooge bin of seven billion dollars. Um, and and the, the for the state to do anything major in terms of like changing formulas on stuff, which they're trying to do with income tax, right? And they're trying to do with shared revenue. They need this this bin of money to kind of play with in case I don't know to kind of like to set it up. It's almost like a down payment. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do. A, a big reform, if you're going to do a big overhaul, that's, you really need that. And so, you know, to, to the, I mean, that's, it's an opportunity to do that. I mean, it's, we have certainly, we're not advocating for or against any specific changes, but we've certainly pointed out that if you are going to do a, you know, a major reform, now is your moment to do it. Um, again, though, I think, uh, you know, there's been also for a long time, um, challenges for, you know, local public safety services and like police and fire. And that has seemed to really garner more of the 
attention of lawmakers, in particular the city of Milwaukee, is facing a really big uh, fiscal crisis in 2025, which we've written about, if, if some action isn't taken. And so I think that has also helped to focus the legislature on those local government problems. I mean, mm-hmm. not just the city of Milwaukee, but that, that looming crisis sort of has focused everyone's attention on that, if you will. Yeah, it's kind of funny how all these are intertwined, because I'm trying to, like, let's talk about this subject and this subject, but now I feel like we've kind of hit on every one of them. Um, but getting back to school funding, sure. uh, in the, I don't know if the Republicans' budget plan has a lot on schools, but can you can you have you kind of deep dived on the difference between Governor Evers' school funding plan and uh, you know when it comes to K through twelve funding anyway, and and the what the Republicans have said? Sure, I mean we haven't seen a full proposal from the Republicans, and you know school funding is so. It's such a big chunk of what the state government does. It's, it's the number one spending item for the state. So, you know, there's no real getting a school funding plan without getting the entire budget. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like if you're if you're thinking about your mortgage or something, you can't really think about your mortgage apart from all your other spending. You can't think about how big a house to buy and that sort of thing. Because, you know, you just, if, if you're, if your your mortgage doesn't fit with your overall income, your your goose is sort of cooked, and that's the same for schools. Um, the governor would put in the largest you know increases for schools on record, both in terms of state aid to schools and school revenue limits. You know, Republicans are clearly not going to do that. I mean, his revenue limit increases are what three hundred and. Fifty in year one per pupil, three hundred fifty dollars, and I think six fifty in year yep. two. Um, whereas Republicans in the current budget have zero um, in both years, so they're clearly not going to go all the way to that. But I would expect that they would include some increase in the revenue limits this time, because again, a big reason why they didn't do it last time was the federal aid, and the federal aid is expiring, so they they can't. You know, it's a, it's a different situation, even sort of based on their own read of things or their own priorities. It's a weird way to barter when when Evers essentially is at 350 to 650 which would be $1000 per pupil down the road and Republicans start at 0. <laughs> so like you got to meet in the middle somewhere but you got I'll start here cuz Evers put out his proposal first. Hey, I'm I'm at $1000 per pupil. Where are you? Zero. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a funny way to but I guess I mean you could still meet in the middle. Could we do 500? I don't know. I mean, I, again, I think we'll do some significant increase. I mean, um, you know, the increases in past years have, have run in the more, you know, 100 to 300 range. I'm saying in the time of, of well, they've run in the zero to maybe 300 range in the time of divided government. Um, you know, I think, again, we would see one if only because if you look at the gap between inflation and where the revenue limit is, it's the largest during this current budget since revenue limits were put into place in 1993-94 school year. So, you know, they those two things, inflation and the revenue limits, have never been more, um, never been farther apart. So that kind of leads you to think that, you know, even Republicans would 
would want to bring them closer together, even though, you know, very unlikely, I think, that they would that they would actually try to reach the rate of inflation. But, you know, they might try and get closer to that. That's Jason Stein. He's the vice president and research director at the Wisconsin Policy Forum. All right, we got to take another news break and we'll continue this conversation when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Jason Stein, the vice president and research director at the Wisconsin Policy Forum, is hanging out with me. I'm picking his brain over the break, just picking it, like throwing everything uh, that everything I can think of that's uh, that I have questions on. Uh, and, and we just don't have enough time to get into to all that, like uh, dueling dueling battles in court and this and that. But we we do want to. I want to talk about. There, so obviously the the state is going through a budget process for the next two years. It has what now is a six point nine billion dollar budget surplus, and it's trying to come up with a shared revenue plan, essentially the state's funding plan for local governments. Because they can you can you kind of explain uh, why we're we're doing a shared revenue plan? Is that a good way to start here? Yeah, sure. I mean, what shared revenue is, it's the main form of state aid to local governments, cities, villages, counties, and towns. And it essentially, you know, the state has the sole taxing ability in areas, in general, in areas like income and sales taxes with a couple minor exceptions. And so the state passes along some of those tax revenues to local governments to fund local services because they're preempted from doing those sorts of taxes themselves. And, you know, the aid doesn't come with strings attached, and so it's a key thing that local governments use to fund public safety, libraries, streets, things like that. And it is lower today in nominal dollars, so not adjusting for inflation. It's lower today than it was 20 years ago, um, because the state has just prioritized other things within its budget. And obviously... in you know, the state also puts uh, limits on how much local governments can increase property taxes. So local governments, their two main forms of revenue are property taxes and shared revenue, state aid. And so having both those things tightly constrained, particularly in this era of really high inflation, has been a gradually mounting issue for local governments. And, you know, there's always things that they can do to be more efficient, but there is an impact to services. So the legislature is looking right now to see, can they use some of this surplus to fund local governments to a greater degree and also provide some, you know, sort of assurance that the state aid will rise in the future. And and the plan to do that has been to devote essentially one-fifth of say sales tax revenues going forward to local governments to aid for local governments. Who came up with that plan? Like who who started this talk? Was it just municipalities pleading like, "Hey, you need to change the the formula. We're dying out here." And then the, like the governor releases a plan or did did I don't know, how did this start? Well, I mean, it certainly started with local governments uh protesting you know, louder and louder. Our, our organization has, you know, put forward um, quite a bit of research going back to 2019 and, and, and earlier than that about this issue and this challenge. And, um, you know, both uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Boss and the governor 
have sort of got, you know, each got behind this idea of setting aside um, 1% of, of, of the state sales tax, uh, which is currently at 5%, to, you know, local government, which would allow that revenue to increase with inflation over time, you know, right. as, you know, clothing or the price of the sandwich goes up, then, you know, those revenues go up as well, which they have been doing for the state, but the state has not, you know, seen fit to pass any of that along uh, at the local level. It's happened for schools to a greater degree, but but really not for cities and villages. And it is, uh, counties do have a modest sales tax at the county level, but, you know, there's almost, almost no uh, sales taxes at the municipal level for cities or villages. And so, you know, this proposal you know, or these competing proposals are each in their way trying to um, address that. So, you know, there's definitely some bipartisanship, but there's also some real differences between the two sides, so much so that the governor has threatened to uh, veto the current Republican plan, which, you know, is supposedly going to be uh, amended later in the week, and we we just haven't seen what that revision would look like. All right, yeah, because when Republicans put out their plan last week, Evers said, if you're going to go with that plan, then I'm going to veto it. So at least there's some, this is the negotiating period, so at least there are, is some negotiating here, huh? Yes, and I think, you know, um, local leaders, the towns, the counties, the cities, you know, uh, the mayor of Milwaukee, the Milwaukee County Executive, have all been involved in this process. It's, you know, and I think to some degree, the governor as well. I mean, certainly he's involved in as much as, you know, when when people like the mayor of Milwaukee, Milwaukee County Executive, who are Democrats, are talking to Republicans, they're certainly also trying to get uh, get to some kind of compromise that the governor could sign. So, you know, in some sense, this is a bipartisan negotiation that's happening right now. When it comes to just kind of overall, not just Milwaukee, but like, you know, La Crosse, Eau Claire, the and then smaller communities, do do they like the the plan that's been put put out there by by Republicans? I should I say because the the governor's got to sign the Republican plan. So I don't know. I, I, do you, are you guys? Are, I've had the mayor on last week, and he likes some parts of it, and he didn't like other parts of it. Obviously, that's probably the case sure. everywhere. Sure. I mean, again, I I think as we as we sort of talked about local, I think local leaders are feeling so so pressured that by their their financial situation that they're willing to entertain some challenges and you know if the you know republicans you know part of this um plan would be you know again more more uh, state revenue for a lot of local governments statewide and in addition a higher sales tax in the city of Milwaukee Milwaukee County it would be used in part to fund their um, mm-hmm. their their underfunded pensions, and you know that's a big step for a Republicans to sort of put forward a bill that would you know could lead to taxes being increased. A lot of them have you know pledged not to do things like that. So you know then there's there's a lot of other provisions that are more uh, that are sort of sweeteners, if you will, for for Republicans. And it's, it's sort of kind of getting, you know, it's, it's, it's not anything that I think either side is, 
is going to be excited about everything in it, and can they get something that everybody can can swallow down, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about some of these quotas for police, like increasing traffic tickets, increasing arrests, uh, keeping the the amount of police you have like level or increasing that. Um, I don't know. Sure. I just see some of those seems like I, some of those seem unconstitutional. Other ones, like if we're going to fight crime and and the the number of police we need goes down, then we're going to lose state funding because of it. So I don't. But maybe maybe you should because you don't need that many police anymore. But you're kind of like you're you're kind of hampered for you're not rewarded for for doing the thing you're you're kind of you're getting uh it's a kind of a negative impact. But when it comes to the the shared revenue plan, well, that you know, yeah, I mean, so part of the challenge is, you know, any any time the state puts you know mandates into place at the local level, you know, you're going to have some places in the state that are going to lose population, right? And it might be, you know appropriate, just as school districts around the state right now are losing, have lost students in recent years. And so, you know, when you have fewer students, it can be appropriate for school districts to reduce the number of teachers they have over time. And, you know, that might be appropriate in some cases for police, but, you know, at least under the bill as it was put forward, you know, that communities could see a reduction in their, um, their shared revenue if that was that was the case. Is there a reason why? And we're speaking with Jason Stein, the vice president and research director with Wisconsin Policy Forum. And maybe I'm asking you the wrong questions because I feel like maybe I need to ask you the numerical questions or the impact questions. But is there a reason why this is coming out now? Is it because we have a seven billion dollar budget surplus that we can play? We can I mean, play with the shared revenue plan, it, right? I mean, sure. that's absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's a combination of of kind of three things. One is that this just this problem has been mounting for many years. I mean, you know, we we certainly in 2019 were identifying this as, hey, this is a long-term, real long-term challenge for some key local services. Then number two, obviously, yeah, we have the state budget surplus, um, which is really unprecedented. So it gives, you know, some ability for the state to um, look at that. And then last, the inflation, you know, just having been so high and you're seeing um, – real uh, labor challenges at both the state and local level and and in the private sector as well. And so, you know, when you think about, um, you know, it's not just, oh, is the city of La Crosse or is the city of Milwaukee budgeting to have as many police positions this year as last year, but it's can they actually hire and retain police officers to fill those positions? at the salary that they're able to pay under the budget, right? And so that's another thing that has really pushed this to the forefront is, you know, the impact of uh, inflation and the labor, you know, low unemployment rate and the labor challenges that we've seen in the marketplace over the past couple of years. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Police are always talking about how hard it is to hire new police right now. And then if you have 15% of your funding dependent on the number of police you have hired each year, and you go, well, okay, I guess we'll just hire this guy. Well, that's not that's not a great formula either. Um, another part of the shared revenue plan here, before I let you go, is is the the idea of, of consolidating services. Lacrosse tried to do this with the Holman Fire sure. Department, and they would be rewarded for this, right? Um, I, I, I guess I don't know. Is that I, I don't know how to ask you this because it's a, a numerical question or an opinion sure. question. Um, is that a good? Do you guys see that as a good policy to to have in a shared revenue plan? Where or 
or or is it is it too hard for yeah, communities so to we, do that? You know, again, we don't we don't advocate for or against, but I right. think we certainly put out research that points to a lot of potential benefits from uh, sharing services or consolidating services, and we've done some of that research around the state, including in the rural cross area. Um, you know, in in Wisconsin, we have like eighteen hundred and fifty towns, or sorry, twelve hundred and fifty towns. Excuse me, like a little over 600 cities and villages, 72 counties. And so that's a lot, you know, one of the highest numbers of local governments in the country. And, you know, obviously that can be, that can sort of rob areas of the kind of economies of scale that you can get to be more efficient, right? If you're having, if every little community is purchasing its own fire truck, if every community is investing in a sewer uh, treatment plant, rather than, um, you know, spreading that across multiple communities. And so the legislation as put forward by the Speaker of the Assembly would incentivize some types of shared services and, you know, innovation at the local level. And I think there's, you know, some potential benefits, both in terms of the quality of service as well as the long-term cost of the service to communities that, that are willing to sort of work with one another. Sometimes the politics of that can be very difficult at the local level. Yep. And so that's kind of where the state can step in and say, hey, every you know, here's an incentive for local leaders to sort of move past, you know, their their distrust of a neighboring community or their desire to keep control, you know, of a service entirely, you know, at, at, at in this town or that village. All right, that's Jason Stein, the Vice President and Research Director at the Wisconsin Policy Forum. Uh, it sounds like you know when we were talking before the show. I have to give you, I have to get another guy on from you, from your your group there to to talk about some of this other stuff, uh, med- maybe like Medicare expansion and, and stuff like that. So, but I appreciate sure. you spending an sure. hour with me, man. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, anytime. Thanks very much. We got to take one more quick break, and we'll wrap up. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk P. I'm just going to wrap up here. Thanks again to Jason Stein, the Vice President, Research Director at the Wisconsin Policy Forum. The the number crunchers, one of the number crunchers in the state, uh, as we learned today that the projected budget surplus is down from like $7.1 billion to $6.9 billion. So only a loss of $0.2 billion. But kind of interesting because we always talk about it like that. Like, oh, it's only $0.2 billion. It's billion. Um, but we, we talk about that a little bit. And, uh, you know, just kind of the, the, the ongoing discussion about the shared revenue plan. And we'll see. It sounded it sounds like the Republicans are going to amend their plan that Governor Evers said he would veto the initial plan that came out. So um, maybe the maybe local municipalities won't have to have traffic ticket quotas in the new plan because I was that that one seems funny to me. Anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening.